0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Um, I, I'm excited to, to wrap up this series with you on relationship rhythms. And, uh, and today I, I want to talk to you ab- a, li- a little bit about pressure. And so I have entitled the message, Don't Let the Pressure Get You. And uh, I want to I talk to you for a few minutes around this idea of don't let the pressure get you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we love you so much. We need you. Um, God, I pray that uh, in these moments, God, where there is a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, Lord, I thank you that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given us, Lord. And I just pray that you will continue to uh, uh, just be with us on this journey. Lord, we pray for uh, just, our, just the world right now. There's so much happening. And Lord, we know that it is not bigger than you. And so we rest in you today. In Jesus' name, speak to our hearts. Amen. 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 Well, uh, how many of us know that r- relationships can, there can be some disappointments in relationships? Anybody? Is anybody alive this morning? Woo! No disappointments for you, huh? That's awesome. But I was re- reflecting on one of my favorite movies. Have you guys ever seen the movie Up? Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. You got Carl and Ellie, cute little couple. And it was interesting because the, the first seven minutes of the movie, it's, it's called The Cry Challenge. Uh, it's, you watch it, there's very little words, and you try not to cry because it's, it's, it's really kind of sad. Uh, as you watch them journey through life together, getting married and 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 had this this hope and and dream of moving to paradise. In fact, Carl had promised Ellie that they were going to move and live in paradise. But he kind of negated on that promise. And as she got sick and eventually passed away, he started to feel extremely guilty that, man, he had let her down. It was kind of on the moment where she was sick. She was on the bed uh, in the hospital. And he kind of pushed her adventure book toward her. And she kind of pushed it away like, it's over. The adventure is over. And, uh, and it was just an interesting moment because they had an incredible journey. But somehow, I think the, the disappointments, um, I think I have like a little echo. I sound like a robot. Just a little heads up somebody. Um, I, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want you guys to hear this echo, 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 echo. It's amazing, 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 amazing. But, but I, I think one thing that's kind of missed out on this movie is the actual journey itself. Because in relationships, we're always going to have disappointments. But as you watch their journey, man, they had an incredible journey. But man, what was highlighted was the disappointments. And we all face them. In fact, I don't know if you have tried to get any shopping done recently, but the stores are out of a lot of stuff. (laughs) Right? I I think Summer Summer posted, I think, Target in San Francisco, like the disinfectant aisle was like nothing. I was like, what in the world? But even Costco, beans and rice, gone. And that's how we live. In, we survive on beans and rice in my household, right? Beans, rice, and Jesus Christ. That's how we live. That's how we live. And so, so, so Jackie, Jackie goes online to order some. We're so excited. We're like, man, we're getting some beans. And they they said they were going to come in like two days. We're like, we we got we got ahead of the curve. So so, long story short, we didn't end up getting pinto beans. She ends up getting coffee beans. So, so they come onto our doorstep, and we're like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is so good. And we open them up, and it's organic Kirkland coffee beans. I said, well, hey, listen, if the end of the world comes, at least we'll be awake for it, number one. Positive side, right? Have a re-refried mocha and a caffeinated burrito. So we'll be good. We will survive. But, but the, every, every relationship, there's expectations and there's disappointments. But I think some of the the disappointments that we experience are from unnecessary things. Or should I say unnecessary or undealt with pressures. I think our relationships today are under pressure that God never intended them to be under. I think there's a pressure, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. There's a pressure of, of destination. right? Forget the journey. We will enjoy when we get there. Like like once I look like this, going to the gym every day, going to enjoy the journey. right? Once I hit that financial status or I get that promotion, then I'm actually going to be able to enjoy the journey. Once I find that spouse or that perfect somebody, I'm going to be able to, to enjoy in that moment. Or once I get the house or the car, once I get out of high school or once I graduate college, once I have kids... Or come on, somebody, once the kids are gone, then I'm going to enjoy. We, we have this pressure of destination, and a lot of times we've lost sight of the journey. And so we spend our whole life looking toward the destination. Now, now goals are great, but goals were never designed to be God. Like goals are something that we look forward to, but they shouldn't dominate our lives in such a way where where they keep this pressure on us that we are unable to enjoy the moment because we're so focused on the destination. I I think there's a pressure of distraction. Pressure of distraction in our day. I I I don't know about you, but we live in the land of comparison now. It's always been around, but I think it's just highlighted so much more as we engage online, as we we scroll through social media. It's so hard not to be enamored with other people's dreams, other people's success, even other people's relationships. Like, have you ever been on online and you're looking and and this is this is this is a huge deal where people look at couples. They're like, man, I wish we were like that. How come you don't treat me like that? And they forget that this is the highlight reel, right? Like nobody posts their worst moments on the gram unless they're trying to be utterly authentic and want to post this this authentic moment on the Instagram, right? But even then, we know you just want the attention. Um, and so so it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to not get distracted from our race as we spend our lives hours at a time looking at everybody else's race. You know, I've said it to you before. If you look on the back of your iPhone, for those of you guys who have not graduated from Android yet, an iPhone is... It's an amazing piece of technology. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But on the back, you'll see this little emblem. Matter of fact, you may not want to switch to to Apple after this, but you'll see this little emblem of an apple with a, a little bite taken out of it. And I think it's so appropriate going back to the garden of Adam and Eve when they bit of the fruit that became the ultimate distraction, ultimate separation as sin entered to humanity and disconnected us from God. It's just amazing how much technology and how much our phones have not only uh, distant, we have no time for God, but we have three hours of screen time, no problem. I looked at somebody's screen time the other day, it was five hours. They were being transparent. I'm like, I, I love you for your transparency, but we got to figure this out. And I just, I think it, it, it's amazing. We're, we're, with technology, we're, we're trying so hard to, to fit everything in. Like, technology is great. I'm not a hater of technology. I love technology. I think it's, it's, it's incredible. But I think what it's done is rather than helping us free up more time, it's just it's helped us to try to do more things in the day. We try to cram everything in, and it puts a pressure Right, When we're not spending time with God, we're not spending time with each other because we're so distracted. It's, it's really hard sometimes just to sit and be still, to be silent today, because we just have all these things coming at us. And then it adds this pressure to our relationships because we're spending so much time in what's not important, and we're neglecting what's important. And then when we get to the important, we're stressed out because we've been so distracted, and it adds this pressure, and it's like... Ugh! And it's just hard to sit like Mary sometimes at the feet of Jesus and just be still and choose the better. I think also the, the pressure of pain. The pressure of pain, I, I think, is so real. Like Anybody ever break a bone? Anybody ever been stabbed? All right. All my gangsters, anybody been shot? All right, none in this one. But maybe, maybe, you're, wound, maybe you're in the military, you're wounded in combat. One of the things that we know about those things is, is wounds physically, they heal over time. I know that, that some may, that, that are really extreme may not heal back to normal. But our bodies heal over a period of time. But that's not the case emotionally. And that's not the case relationally. Sometimes we think that time will heal, but that's the biggest farce. Time does not heal. Pain still has a 100% resurrection rate. Like it may go dormant. But when the pressure's on, man, that stuff's going to raise back up. And sometimes I think that we forget that not dealing with our pain, it creates a pressure of fear. It creates an insecurity. My goodness, the pressure of insecurity in relationships. I mean, our insecurity sometimes drives our relationships into the ground. I think one of the highest forms of insecurity is pride. A lot of times we don't connect the two. Pride always comes off as very confident, but it's really very insecure. I mean, and we don't deal with this stuff. It adds a weight. It adds a, it adds a, a pressure. And we start to carry those things into our relationships. And, and one of the things that 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 weight does, or that pressure does, is pressure, it, it highlights the weight. You're like, man, I'm good. So good very good. But then after a while, like, man, I'm kind of good. See, see the, the, the pressure, it reveals the weight, but you have to choose to deal with it. Because you can try to keep holding it, but eventually you're going to crack under pressure. Pressure will highlight the weight, but you have to choose to deal with it. And in Jesus' day, there, there, was, there was unnecessary pressures that were on him. Um, like, man, I hurt my shoulder. <laughs> Getting old these days. In Jesus' day, the religious leaders were, were putting an unnecessary pressure on the people. Now, you got to understand, when Jesus came on the scene, it was interesting that his disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us to pray the way you do. But they grew up in an in, in immersive religious system. They grew up in an in a re, immersive religious time Where every Jewish young man or woman knew how to pray, they were surrounded by it. But when Jesus prayed, it was different. There was something different about the way that he prayed. Something like, man, this is real. Like when you pray, there's like real connection to God. When you pray, there's power. When you pray, things happen. Because they were so used to a religious system and and the religious leaders put so many extra rules and laws on top of God's commands That rather than drawing people closer to God and have them experience freedom, it was distancing people from God and having them exhausted from the weight of the pressure. Unnecessary pressure. A pressure that God had never put on the people. But the religious leaders of the time, they did. I mean, they added 30 more laws to the Sabbath. Like a Sabbath is supposed to be a time of rest. They're like, man, well, let us make it more complicated for you. And so people were just religiously exhausted, and they were underneath a pressure that just felt impossible to bear. And so that's where this, this, this passage, and James, Pastor James mentioned it last week, but I want to dive in a little bit deeper. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Jesus was speaking to this crowd because they were way down with religiosity rather than living in a life-giving relationship with God. It said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said, my design was meant for you to be close and free, not distant and exhausted. I love how the message version describes this. It says this, it says, are you tired and worn out? Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced, everybody say it, rhythms of grace. And I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. See, ladies and gentlemen, I think sometimes we get things mistaken. Freedom is not a small group. Freedom is not a something. Freedom is not an event. Freedom is a person. The person of Jesus. That, that's, where true, that's where true lightness really is. That's where true rest is really found, is in these unforced rhythms of grace. As we learn from the masters, we learn from our Lord, we will find rest for our souls. And I believe that our relationships will be a little bit lighter and a little bit freer if we would learn some of these unforced rhythms of grace. And so today, I know that our relationships are experiencing a lot of unnecessary pressures, a lot of weights that God had never intended our relationships to bear. And so I'm hoping today that we can identify just a few rhythms that we can put into practice, maybe some that we need to be reminded of. So listen, as I'm going through this, don't ask yourself, especially if you grew up in church, don't ask yourself, do I know this? Ask yourself, am I living this? It's a much better question. It's a much better question. I'm not, I'm not here to, to give you rocket science today because I think some of the, the most basic rhythms of our life we miss out and we lose sight of. And so, so we want to learn from Jesus today. We want to learn some of these unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. And the first one, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is we want to cast our cares on him. We want to learn this rhythm of casting our cares on him. Now, now if you guys uh, are living in the same world that I am, anxiety is nothing new. It's actually, it's on the rise, and, and really anxiety is driven from a pressure, whether it's fear or, or worry. But can I just tell you, when, when we don't deal with some of this unnecessary pressure, when we don't deal with some of this weight, whether it's a, a pressure of destination, whether it's a, a pressure of, of distraction, or whether it's, it's the pressure of pain, when those things aren't dealt with, it, it eventually produces anxiety. And you may say, well, I'm not really an anxious person, but you're still under a lot of pressure. Well, you may not know you're an anxious person, and you may not maybe quantify it as that, but it produces an anxiety, an unhealthy drive that when not dealt with, it moves us to medicate. We have to deal with it somehow. And you know that you're feeling this when you start to say things like, I just can't do this. You start to say things like, I'm done. You start to say things like, leave me a- a- alone, unfriend, shut down, right? We, we start to, to say things like, I, you're too much. You're just way too much. Anybody ever said that lately? Just way too much, I just. You know what I mean? Or we go, or we go, and we just start, we shut down, or, or we start to yell. And, and you know you're really in the thick of it when instead of communicating, you, you start to dictate. Instead of actually dialoguing this, no, it's, I'm going to tell you how it is, whether I'm using it with my, or with my words or with my actions. But, but it just starts to build, it's just the pressure, the tension, when these things are, are, are not dealt with. And so I love what Peter says. Peter says it like this. He says, so humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hands, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I think a lot of our relationships are suffering because we bring this unhealthy anxiety into our relationships that add an unnecessary pressure. Now, there's going to be a little bit of pressure in every relationship. There's always going to be pain points. There's always going to be things. But, but I'm saying this, are we dealing with it? Like, it's one thing to experience pain and disappointment. We're all going to experience that. You can't eradicate that. But are we dealing with it? Do we know when the anxiety comes? Do we know what to do with it? Or do we just hold on to it and let it build and let it form? I love Psalm chapter 55, verse 22 says, Cast your cares on me, the Lord says, and I will sustain you. It has this notion of let me me carry you. Let, let Let me move with you. Do we know what to do? With? Do we know what it's like to really cast? Anybody ever been fishing? So, so, some of you right now, you guys are like, oh, yeah. This is like your love language, right? This is the best sermon for you ever right now. You're just so excited. But, but one of the things about casting, uh, my girls are learning. We've been fishing a lot lately. It's been cold, and we haven't been catching anything, but we've been fishing a lot. And... Uh, and one of the things about casting, and sometimes you have a little button here for the kiddos, or you'll have a little reel that you you kind of click over. But casting, it, it, you have to learn the rhythm of casting. Like, like it's not like like it, like you can cast, but if you don't if you don't push this little button, you're gonna throw it real hard, and it's gonna go. Ring, ring, ring. It's not gonna go anywhere, and you're like, what's up? And it's tangled all at the top. It's all messed up, right? Or you're gonna cast really like this. Like <laughs> my my daughters, a little, they they cast out, but they forgot to. Let go here, and they let go here, and so it goes way back there. <laughs> like, oh, and it gets all tangled in the weeds. Right, right, we have to learn the rhythm of casting. Some of us, we're not good at casting our anxiety upon the Lord. Like, we're, we're just, it's, it's not a rhythm of our life. Like, we know it, that's a good idea, and we know it probably should be true in our life, but we're just not good at it. <laughs> it never fails. I'm fishing the other day. This older man comes up, and, you know, he's just like the wizard, Right, he comes up, he's, he's the guru of fishing. How are you guys doing? I always know when they look, let me see what you're working with. I'm like, oh, I did it wrong, right? And so he looks, he's like, yeah, it's all wrong. Let me help you out. And he starts talking to my kids and showing them really how to fish and all this stuff. And I remember he walked away. It was like one of those moments. He said, he said young man, he said, the three Ps always come into play. Practice, practice, practice. I was like, if you're taking notes, let me jot that down. Practice. Practice, practice. <laughs> but, but the thing about casting, you're, you're casting off something onto something. You're, you're, you're casting from something, and, and you're casting it onto something else. And the goal is to get it way out there, right? You're casting from the pole onto the water, into the water. And the goal is that, that you're, you're, you're getting it out there. You're getting it far away. Now, some of you guys may be thinking, well, like, I'm not that good of a caster. Like, maybe, maybe you're not that strong. And I think if we're not careful, we'll misunderstand what Peter is saying. I think sometimes we think that we have to power, you know, I'm going to cast my cares on Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really not about your strength and how far you can throw. Peter says it's really about your humility and how much you trust. Are you tracking with me on that? See, see, to cast your care, it, it, it's really Peter's talking about humility. He's talking about when, when you realize you can't, when you don't have the power to do so. Do you know worry is a form of pride? I know that, that one hurts. And I, listen, I've battled with anxiety my whole life. So I'm not, I'm not like preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself too. And I'm not talking about clinical stuff. If you got clinical stuff going on, don't, you know, because this is what we do. with People that have anxiety, we're like, oh, gosh, God hates me now. I worry all the time. Uh, that's, that's just not right. And so we can, we can get in an unhealthy pattern by me saying those words. So let me, let me set you free. Listen, if you're dealing with some clinical stuff, you're on medication, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, you're, you're dealing with the brain is, is a real part of your body. Um, and sometimes it, it gets out of, out of alignment. That's something different. But I'm talking about I'm talking about worry, though. I am talking about about anxiety, about holding on, rather than casting off. You know, I, I think again, it's like it's like we know this to be true, but but it's really a form of pride when we worry because what we're saying is is rather than casting all of our cares upon the Lord, what we're saying is we need to solve all of our own problems. We are the we are the solution to our problems. And I'm not saying you don't take responsibility for your problems. I'm just saying you don't have to carry the weight of them. You have to deal with them. But a lot of times we're carrying around a weight, a pressure that God has never intended us to carry. And so as we cast our cares upon him, God wants to bring some life. God wants to bring some freedom. But can I just tell you, you don't make a great God. And neither do I. And so, so it's actually God's will for you not to worry. Can I just say that again? It's God's will for you not to worry. And, and I, it reminds me of my kids. They'll, they'll, bring, they'll help me bring in the groceries, and I'll say, hey, baby girl, I got that. No, Dad, I got it. And they're like this. My like, man, going to put a hole in the bag, and it's not going to be good. And they, and they get to a certain point where they're just like, let me just cast my grocery bag to you, Dad, and move on. But, but I think it, it struggle for us because it's hard to cast upon somebody you have no time with. It's hard to cast your cares upon somebody who's not close to you. And so can I just tell you today, listen, it's, it's trust. It's so important we spend time with God it's because it's trust that will determine your cast. If you don't trust God, you won't cast. You'll hold. If you don't trust God, you're, you're just going gonna to live like this you're going to be saying, glory to God, glory to God, love God, so good. But if you trust him, you're like, man, you, you're a whole lot stronger than I am. And you can carry this a whole lot better than I can. And it's a practice. It's a recasting. You don't cast this one time. You're going to have to keep. Some, some of you guys need to keep casting. Every time it comes back, cast it again. If that tide of anxiety starts to bring in that lure again, cast it out again. Cast your cares upon me. It's God's will for you to be free from worry. I'm telling you, if there was a lack of anxiety in some relationships, the game would change. If that pressure was relieved, the game would change. Second one, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is obedience over outcome. One of the things that that we need to develop a rhythm in with the Lord, which will have a direct impact on our relationships, is choosing obedience over outcome. And this, this is really hard because you know, how am I going to cast my cares upon you, Lord? How am I going to trust you? Well, you need to choose obedience over outcome. Because it's really hard, it's really hard to, when you can't see the outcome, to choose to obey. It's, it's hard to do that. Because we like to see results. Now, I'm going to walk you through a plethora of scriptures, and I just want you to, to bear with me, all right? You guys with me? You guys awake, first service? Come on, man, I'm trying to teach you something. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to walk, I'm trying to pastor you a little bit today. So, so look what it says, Matthew chapter 18. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately. It doesn't say go gossip. Let me read that again. If another believer sins against you, go privately, not publicly. Some of us, listen, he blows up our gossip trick right away. Can I just tell you, if you are a gossip, you need Healing. And, and you can find it here. But you got to acknowledge you're a gossip. And really, it's a, it's a greater pain. What you're saying, I need to expose them because I don't want to be exposed. I need to expose them because I got some of this insecurity with me. I just, I need to be in the mix. I need to be. And, and the Lord's like, man, there's, there's a much better way. And so, listen, when we gossip, it puts a pressure on our relationships that's unnecessary. It's just not necessary. And so a lot of times, again, we're suffering in our relationships from an unnecessary pressure. He says, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won the person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Continue. It goes on to say, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Notice how by the time it gets to the church, it's like you've already have taken a couple steps. Do you know most conflicts will be resolved with the first step? Ninety, like, 5% of them. Because you know what it looks like? Oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry, man. I had no idea. It's like Pastor James talked about last week. If you missed that message, you need to go back and listen to it. It was so good. It says, then if he, then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person like a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. That's like the last result. <clears throat> and it's, it's probably still not common to say, you know what? You're a tax collector. I'm not dealing with you anymore, right? Don't, don't do that. But you can catch the heart of it. Now watch this next verse, Mark chapter 11. It says, I tell you, you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you'll receive it, it'll be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. See, we love destination. We just don't like process. Like, we we want things to work. But we don't like the process which God gives us so that they will. Let me give you another one. goes on to say Matthew chapter 5, so if you're offering a gift at the altar, and remember... You have this moment, like you're coming to, coming to worship. Some of you guys may have to run out of the service right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but back in the day, they, they, they would travel a long distance to come and offer their sacrifice, their offering. Some of them would travel miles, days. and say, man, if you get to that to the altar and you're like, here you go, Lord. Okay. And all of a sudden you're like, Howard. I don't know. I just made up in it. Harry? <laughs> sounds pretty universal, right? And you remember Harry in that moment. Like, man, Harry? And what God says, listen if, you, listen, if you remember that Harry has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, and first, oh, man, here's that word again, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, that just sounds like a lot of work, especially if I travel for a couple of days. So you want me to leave my gift there and go, like, I'm in Jerusalem. You want me to go back to Galilee and talk to Harry and then come back to Jerusalem? Come on, is anybody feeling my pain? That's a lot of work. I'm just trying to offer a little sacrifice, God. I'm not trying to get caught up in all of this process. And how do I even know? This is what keeps us alive. How do I even know Harry's going to respond right? Harry's a jerk. He's not a very nice guy. He shouldn't be offended. Like how do I know? Can I just tell you ladies and gentlemen? You don't. That's why we need to choose obedience over outcome. But what if Harry does? What if Harry actually responds? It's going to be a great day. Can I just tell you that the emphasis that I'm trying to point out is how much of relationships mean how much relationships mean to God. How much of a priority Relationships are to Him. Our relationships with one another are important to God. So much so that the, the scripture is full of this. Can I just tell you, it's worth the work. Relationships are worth the work. It's hard because we have a pressure of destination, it's unnecessary. So we don't, we don't, we don't like to do the work because it's, it's not fun, it's not exciting. But relationships are worth the work. Now, I know there are boundaries. I'm not saying if you've been abused, you gotta go back to your abuser and do that. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm I'm talking about, you know, there's certain people that you've had to set up like some extreme stuff. Maybe restraining orders. Maybe, you know, there's been abuse. Maybe there's, I'm not talking about any of that stuff. That you just deal with with God. But man, if, if there's still a burden there, deal with it. If there's an offense on your heart, still deal with it with God. But I want you to see how much, relationships are a priority to God, that God says, listen, they're worth the work. They're worth the work. Continues to say, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 18, says, do not repay anybody for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, this is our responsibility. You're like, man, how, like, what, what are they gonna do? Doesn't matter. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Like, dude, just do your part. God's not going to hold you accountable for them. Do your part. Is anybody hearing me today? Yeah. Like, like, some of you can use this right now. Like, you need this. But there's been a hardness of heart. So you hear it and you know it. But, that, but that's it. For some, it's going to fall right on this concrete. Some of, it's, some, 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 of, some of our hearts can be as hard as this concrete. You hear it. But you're like, I don't know. Can I just tell you, this? listen, I know many times we don't want to go unless we know. But if you go and you don't know, you will grow. You will grow. You can figure that out in the car when you're driving home, (laughs) all right? Because I'm I'm telling you, listen, God has a better way. And I know for some of us this seems ridiculous. Like, it seems really ridiculous to go from Galilee, from Jerusalem all the way back to Galilee just to say, hey, Harry, let's make this right. Like, that seems ridiculous. Just like it did to Naaman, who was sick with leprosy, he was a very valiant warrior, well-respected guy. He comes to the prophet Elisha, and Elisha says, listen, man, go dip in the Jordan seven times. How ridiculous is that? His response was, can you pick a, a more clean of a river? Like, do you know who I am? That river's filthy. It's like, man, just. And so his servant said, Man, if the, if the man of God told you to do something amazing, wouldn't you have done it? So go dunk yourself in the river. Stop being, you know, ridiculous. So he goes, All right, fine. One. I mean, look how ridiculous this looks. Two. Man, I knew this wasn't going to work. Three. And then four. It's like stair stepper, cardio. Five. Feeling the way, right? Sick. And on the seventh time, God cleanses him. So super ridiculous, but God's process. I didn't, I, listen, I'm not saying today that God's process is going is to sound great to you. I'm just saying God has a better process many times than we do. And we can't see the outcome. If Naaman would have known that outcome, he would have been in that river from the beginning. But he didn't know, so he had to choose to go. Before he knew, and God brought about a miracle there. Are you guys tracking with me? Listen, some of you today, if you just trust the process, it'll remove the pressure. You just got to trust the process. Next one is this. Taking notes, you can jot this down. Make eternity the focus. Make eternity the focus. You know, I want to give you a picture of eternity because it's kind of big. It's kind of hard to grasp. Eternity is interesting because it's forever. It's hard for our minds to comprehend. The Bible speaks of eternity, not just as a destination later, but as a relationship now. John speaks about it in his gospel. He says, this is eternal life to know him, meaning Christ. So it's not just a destination, but it is a relationship. But let me speak to the destination. Let me speak to living in eternity forever. I want you to imagine a steel ball the size of the world. And every million years, a little bird would come and peck on that steel ball to sharpen its beak. And then a million years later would come back and peck on that little steel ball to sharpen his beak. I want you to get this picture is that when that steel ball is whittled down to the size of a BB, eternity is just beginning. Are you guys tracking with me on that? You'll get that in the car too. And so I I was, it's, 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 it's hard to understand. But this is what I need you to lean in today because there was a gentleman who used to sit right over here by that pole. His name was Rick. Passed away last year unexpectedly. Super healthy. The guy, you know, would get up at four in the morning and run. His family has been a dear part of our, our life for a long time. His kids were in our youth ministry. They all recently moved out to Sacramento, so they're, they're not here with us anymore. But I remember getting the news. I would see him. He would faithfully, second service would sit there every single week. And then I'd get the call. Rick's gone. I'm like, Rick? Like, the guy is healthy. He's on the treadmill at 4 a.m. every day. And it's something with his heart and and it's, just, it's, it's in those moments that you, you realize something. When, when, when you come face-to-face with death, and as a pastor, uh, you know, I, I used to think it was kind of a, a discouraging thing, but now I, I see it as a privilege because I, I come in contact with these things a lot. I remember Pastor Colin Smith, he said it this way. He said, I think everybody should attend a funeral once a year just to be reminded of the brevity of this life. That it's really like a vapor here for a moment and then gone. There's something about that that causes us to reevaluate life, reevaluate our priorities, get our eyes focused on eternity. And that dramatically affects our relationships. I'm just telling you, it, 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 it helps us to see how much relationships really matter. You know, Rick, Rick was a dear friend. He gave me my first John Maxwell book, leadership book, and my John Maxwell Bible. First one, just said, hey, I, I want to invest in you. And that led to a leadership journey that, man, has been such a gift to our church and, and is still have a, such a passion for. And just for one day, just be like, man, he's gone. Like, like for the next couple of weeks, I'd come in and I would look. I'm like, man, Rick, oh, Rick, where's he at? It just reminds us of how quick this life can be gone. I, I think in moments like this, we, we're, we're in, a, in, in a state of emergency, with this coronavirus, I think it causes people to think like, well, you just start to think about eternity a little bit more. You start to wonder about, man, maybe what's happening in the world? It seems I can't control it. It's not supposed to work like this. It's, and all of a sudden, you, you start to feel the fragility of life. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, look what Ecclesiastes, the wisest man on the planet, said it this way. This, it is better to enter a house of mourning than a house of feasting. Since death is the end of every man, and the living should take this to heart. See, one of the things that as you come face to face with death, and I'm not trying to be a, a downer here today, but I'm saying you start to realize that you have no dominion over your death, but you do your decisions. You don't have any dominion over your death, but you do have dominion over your decisions. And it, it causes your eyes to fix on reality on eternity like what is this really about and it really changes the game when you start to live with an eternal perspective it will affect your relationships drastically because things that are so important to you now they won't be things that you hold so tightly to you'll loosen your grip things that just feel like i can't i don't i won't all of a sudden you're like i'm done with that but it's hard to stay there that's why the pastor said, man, I think you should attend a funeral every year, because we just need that recalibrating. It's hard to stay there. As a pastor, I get to see it all the time. I'm faced with death all the time. And so, so, so I, I want us to get our eyes on eternity, because this is what happens. Let me show you a picture. Many of our lives, when our energy is focused on the temporary, we're just so spread out. And this really affects our relationships. We have energy going out in all these different ways. We're just so pulled about. But all of a sudden you get in that moment where where all of a sudden eternity becomes the focus and the sum total of all that energy starts to go in one lane. And that's where, listen, this rhythm of making eternity a focal point of your life will change the game in your relationships. It will change how you see people. People that you used to despise, you'll start to have compassion for. Listen, when when, when you start to see eternity, when you start to value eternity, you'll start to value people in a way that you never have before. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, he says, I face death daily. Daily. Like Paul was constantly putting his life on the line for the gospel, for people. Why would Paul do that? Eternity was in his focus. And Paul was faced with eternity every day because Paul was like, today I could die. I might die today. They might take me out today. And so Paul's energy was just, was just so focused. And with that eternal focus, all of a sudden, trivial things didn't matter. Just like a commanding officer, listen, a civilian, they're going about different things. But a soldier is so in tune to what his commanding officer is saying, that energy is, is just directed in a completely different way. And so grudges start to fall off. Selfishness starts to fall off. Petty stuff starts to fall off. Priorities are, are redetermined. And Paul's like, I'm facing this every single day, and it's so worth it. And Paul's impact was huge. It'll change your relationships. That's why Paul said, Romans chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 3, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. It's challenging. And many of our, our energy is just going out, 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 out. And we can't really get any traction in our relationships. Well, again, many of our relationships, we, we, we've been together for a year and then we've just done it 20 times. But, but, but if we're not careful, we're, we're not going to invest the way we should. Not just in people that are close to us. We have a world who desperately needs Jesus, who's completely enamored and distracted with destination. Distracted by their pain. Are you guys tracking me? But just, just, just distracted from what's real. You know how many people are just panicking right now? And listen, our world is, is this shouldn't surprise us. And the Lord said in the last days, things are going to change. Wrong is going to become right. Right becomes wrong. talks about diseases and pestilence and I'm not saying this is it, I'm just saying that this shouldn't surprise us. We live boldly and courageously full of love with compassion for people. Putting our lives on the line, I'll never forget a story of a a man who went to a leprosy camp. A camp, it was was right outside of Hawaii. It was just an island for lepers. It was a Catholic priest, man. He he, he said, man, I'm, I'm giving my life away because there's an eternal focus. I value people in such a way where where my life is of little value anymore. I I belong to the Lord. I know where I'm going. I I, I know who I am in Christ. And and I'm gonna go And sure enough, he, he says, I am not here among you. I'm one of you. And he lived and ministered to those people who were facing eternity pretty quickly and saw so many come to Jesus. And I wish I could tell you that he had this story where he never got leprosy. No, he got leprosy and he died on that island. But for him, it's like, meant to, to live as Christ, as Paul said, and to die is gain. You value eternity. You start to value people. And so, so this is the last one I want to leave you with. Is as a result, we need to develop a rhythm of encouraging each other daily. A lot of people today need encouragement. You know how much just, just a word in season, Proverbs says, can change the whole atmosphere? And so, so I, I want you to hear, when we start to cast our cares and, and, and we're obedient despite the outcome and we're eternally focused, you'll be able to live a life of encouragement. It'll be a rhythm of your life because there's joy and there's gratitude because you're not, you're not carrying all this weight. You spend most of your time casting rather than lifting. And there's just a focus. And you're, you're, you're able to, to, to live in a way that's beyond yourself. And gratitude starts to fill your heart and joy. That's why the Apostle Paul, most of his epistles, man, he wrote from a bad place. He wrote from jail. But so full of joy and gratitude. Where he would say, man, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because this Paul, he just knew how to cast. He was obedient despite the outcome. Just rhythms of his life. Obedient despite the outcome, eternally focused. Paul said, let me encourage you. Let me show you what this life is like. In the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of pain. He goes on to tell, he says this, he says, encourage one another daily. The writer of Hebrews, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's so easy to go back. The church was facing extreme persecution. It was so tempting to go back to Judaism and to legalism. It was so easy to lose focus. And so the writer of Hebrews is prompting us, urging us, saying, encourage each other daily. It's so easy to go back to our own life. It's so easy to go back to anxiety and fear and pressure. And so we need each other. We, we need small groups are not just cliche. Like, we need that encouragement. We need to move together. We need to, 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 to be with one another to encourage. Listen, if you're isolated, how can you be Encouraged. And listen, God has not called you to be isolated so you can get in, so, so that you won't be encouraged, but God also wants to use you to encourage other people. Encouragement is, is it's a lifeline. I, I mean, if you just start to, to write down, let, let me let me tell you this. People came to me when I to, to Jackie and I when we when we first came here, man, we didn't know a lot about what we were doing. It was people that called us, were like, keep going. Don't quit. God has called you for this season. I'm telling you what. Now, God is my witness, my wife and my family. When we drive and when we go in places in the car, that's my time, where we're kind of in transit. I'll call pastors who just started, who are six months in. One guy talks; he's 20 years in, and just like, I don't know. I'm like, man, you're called for this. God made you for this, and you could just hear the. I needed this call. I got three of those last week. Thank you for calling. Sometimes, man, just a simple encouraging word goes so far. So what am I encouraging you to do? Taking notes, you can jot this down. I'm just encouraging you to come. Jesus said, come to me, those of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest.